The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Okay, I feel like Oprah today. <laughs> I'm going to be asking you some questions, and these are the questions from the audience, um, while we just get another, another place to sit. Okay. Well, the first question that's being asked um, by someone in the audience is, how do you balance making money and working in ministry? How do you balance making money and working in ministry? Ashley, do you want to take that one? Um, well... Good question. A few things. First of all is, um, you know, I know, I know we're in a business meeting, but I'm just going to say it. You need the mind of God. You need to pray in the Holy Ghost. So there really is, because it's one of those things that's so fluid, you have to hear from God. Because I, you can't say, well, I'm going to spend X amount of hours on this and X amount of hours on that. And let me throw something else in there, which is more important than money or ministry, and that's your family. So if you don't have the balance, and this, the balance is the wrong word, but if you, if you neglect your family, God told me early on, I have three children, and God told them, pray for me, they're all teenagers, and they're all driving. I tell people, if you want to improve your prayer life, teach teenagers how to drive. Okay, that'll improve your prayer life right there. But, um, so, so your family is more important than the ministry or the money. Okay, it's God, family, then ministry or business, whatever your assignment is, your calling from God. But your, your, God, your relationship with God is first and your family is t- second. Your family is more important than your assignment from God because your family is your assignment from God. So, so, I, so more important than that. So anyway, balancing between uh, ministry and making money, um, I've gone back and forth a number of times. It's something I still, in fact, last night we were staying up late talking. You probably stayed up too late talking. But we stayed up last night talking and that was one of the questions I was asking Billy. I asked him regularly. Um, about the balance between ministry and going out and just making money. Um, so, they, so you need to hear from God, basically. And, and I would say do what, you feel, do what you feel the most energy and the most peace about because God leads us by our desires. So if, the big if, if you're spending time with God, delighting yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. So I pray in the Holy Ghost a lot. I pray because I, I don't know how to pray otherwise. So I pray in the Holy Ghost a lot because I'm seeking that wisdom from God. I'm seeking that the understanding, I'm, I'm praying the Holy Ghost, I'm listening, I'm t- in my spirit, I'm listening, and basically I, I delight myself in God, and when I've done those things, if I don't feel like doing something, then I don't do it, but if I feel like doing something, I do it, and this isn't being proud, prideful or anything, but I just turned down a massive opportunity with, with speakers that, if I told you who they were, you'd know those people, in, you know, in an arena with thousands of people, I just didn't have peace about it, I didn't have, I didn't have presence on it, I felt, you know what, this is not God, I'm not going to do that. And at the same time, also have opportunities to make money in the world, in, in real estate and other things. I could do that, and I don't have peace about that either. I do what God shows me to do day by day. And um, so you need to pray, you need to seek God, and you need to keep your priorities in the correct order, praise God. If I'm, and if I'm in doubt about business or ministry in my family, I always err on the, the, the side of my family because I'm, I'm like my, my wife and my kids. I'm talking about my wife and my kids, not my extended family. My wife and my kids... Um, if I miss it with them, then it doesn't matter how successful I am in ministry or business, I'm a failure. Okay, now I'm not talking about their behavior. We can't determine their behavior. My kids, God, had, God was a perfect father and his kids still rebelled. Right? So I don't even want to know condemnation if you've got kids that are rebelling. That's not, 
I'm just saying, spending time with them, building that relationship with them is, is number one for me. Amen. Do you want to add to it? Yeah. I, I, you remember the triangle we drew yesterday, and up in the middle toward the top, we had entrepreneurship and investing. Remember those categories? So what happens if you're in ministry, then you probably will not be able to, you may be able to, but you more than likely would not be able to really do things at the entrepreneurship level, but you can do things at the investing level. So we call that, uh, I would classify or call that passive investing. So what you do is you learn about how to invest your money, and that's something you apply yourself to through knowledge and understanding, right, and wisdom. And so you learn how to invest it, and it would be more from a passive perspective. So you learn to build wealth. Well, you know, one of the things that happens in America is you have a lot of people who retire. For example, I deal, I deal with all of this at Andrew Walmart Ministries. I deal with this, uh, for example, for Andrew and Jamie. That's part of what I do. And, and uh, with them, they're set, and, it's, and they're not set because of the ministry. They're actually set because of their own, what they've done in, as good stewards. So they're, they're set because of that. But a lot of people in ministry, uh, pastors, retire in the U.S. and have no assets. They have no retirement. They don't have anything. Because here's what I want you to understand. There are things you have to learn about. Uh, For example, if you're in full-time ministry, you still need to know some things about investing and how to set your money aside. So watch this. You You not only need to know about how to manage money, you also need to learn and understand how to make money. And so you can make money in investing, but it takes time. You have to learn, read, understand, listen, to, you know, invest in yourself, and you learn it. So from a ministry perspective, if you're going to work in ministry, like most of my investment now that I have personally is what I call passive investments. When I was building wealth at the time, um, I, had to make, I had to learn how to make money. At the time, I was building wealth. Now, I make money, but it's more passively. So, from a ministry perspective, you have to learn something about how to do that. And in this day and age, it's easy, easier, not easy, but it's easier than it's ever been. It's, uh, you have more access to what I would call quality investments than you've ever had before. So, you have to apply yourself to knowledge, understanding, and about that, uh, but you can do that passively. I'll say this, so Greg... One of our friends, mutual friends, his name is Greg Fritz. He teaches at Karis a lot. I don't know. Do y'all have him on video over here? Do you have Greg over here? So Greg came to me, what, I don't know, 15 years ago. And, and I've, known him, I've known him ever since he was a kid. Now, remember, I'm only 39. But, but he, uh, I've known Greg a long time. And Greg today uh, owns quite a few uh, actual investment properties uh, in the state of Oklahoma, and he told me just less than a month ago, whenever you had your minister's deal, he told me that it's the smartest thing he ever did. And I remember when he first came to me and he was complaining. He was in ministry. He was complaining about not having anything. His dad had some investments, and he started buying them. And now today, he doesn't have to preach, doesn't have to go teach. He doesn't, he, he doesn't have to live out of it. It's a great place to be. So that's investment property. For some of you, that would be more, would be too active. It would take you away from ministry too much. But for some of you, you can learn passive investing 
and that allows you to grow your wealth without having to be overly active in it. Wow, that's, that's awesome. I, I really hope that's answered whoever had asked that question. We actually have another question here, and I think, I think this, is, this is a good problem to have. So this person says, we, I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot and lot of ideas about how to make money. And, and the challenge to this person is they're actually totally different ideas. And so they're asking, where do I start if I want to put them into action? So they've got lots of ideas. Well, real quickly, it, I'd start with one <laughs> rather than trying to... <laughs> I'd start with one, and I'd start with the one that you had the most, the most passion about, the most experience about, and you, and you, you feel the best about. That's, but I'd start with one because... And, you know, idle chatter leads to poverty, um, so it's for the works of your hands. So do something with, with the one. And even if you make a mistake, journal it, and you can go again and try another one. And most ideas, like Dyson, you know, James Dyson, the English guy, I think he had a 1,000 patterns pending or a 1,000 different documented ideas before he came up with a Cyclone Hoover uh, vacuum cleaner. So it might not be the one idea, but that leads you to the next idea, and you, and you refine it, and you journal it, and, and you get through it like that, Carol. Excellent. Anyone yeah, else I think, I think, Tafari, you want to say something? So I think one of the things you do, remember what I said, I'd rather have a, a C idea, a, B, a bad idea with a good business model than I would a good idea with a bad business model. So the, you say the point is, the point is the way you, you vet your ideas is you start working on putting a business model around the idea. Now the way you do that, and you can Google this, uh, you can go, you can, you know, I've offered the business mastery course you can just Google this, what I'm about to tell you, and it's free. You can Google what's called the Business Model Generation Canvas. And it's out there on the Internet, and it's the best tool. Many of the business school MBA programs in America use this tool. We teach it in the Karis Business School quite avidly. Um, and uh, you, you take your idea, and you run it through the business model generation canvas and it allows you to then determine if there's really a market for your idea there is a market how big of a market is and then it then it kind of forces you so to speak into the disciplines that will be necessary because there's many there's many good business ideas out there that never really make it because nobody puts a good business model around the idea so God will give you witty inventions, but he'll, in order to take a witty invention and make it where it's making money, there has to be a business model. So that's either a divine connection that comes to your life that knows how to do that, so you'll pray that, or, can I say this to all of you, this is worth the price of the ticket, and I'm not kidding, okay? I'm serious. It's worth the price of the ticket. Don't, 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 uh, don't make an excuse about your ignorance, because awesome. what a lot of people yeah. do is that they'll say, well, I'm going to hire somebody. I'm not really an administrator type. I'm going to hire somebody to be an administrator type. Or I'm not really a marketing type. I'm going to hire somebody. Well, sure. I mean, we, yeah, you can do that. Here, here's the problem. You don't even know how to interview the marketing type or interview the administrative type because you don't know enough about it to even know the right yeah, questions to ask. So you at least yeah. need to learn enough about a subject yeah. that you at least know the right questions to ask. Yeah, that's awesome. Right? And so it doesn't mean you have to be an expert. Yeah. It doesn't even mean you have to be professional. But you have to have some context to be, a, be able to ask the right questions. 
questions. And so if you so any business person, listen now, the greatest challenge they have in building a successful business is their self. It's not lack of money. And it's not lack of expertise in the in the simplest form. It's themselves not applying themselves where they need to so they learn how to do it. I met a farmer right here from I think Heidelberg. Well, a farmer knows how, right? He knows how to farm, right? And so but if I'm going to really find out about his farming and I want to make an investment in farming, i got to go find out some stuff about it in order that I know the right questions to ask. Now, I'm not going to know everything about farming. I'm not going to have to know how to work the tractor or how to run the combine. But I do need to know some things about farming to be able to ask the questions to be able to make a good investment. How many of you ever seen Shark Tank on TV? Everybody see Shark Tank? Have you ever see? I don't know if you have it over here. But, but Shark Tank... On television, you notice which one of those folk, like Mark Cuban, you notice the investments he makes. You notice the other guy, Damon, you notice the investments he makes. Every time he makes an investment, it has to do with marketing and a a certain kind of product. Mark Cuban always has to do with IT because those are the sectors they understand, right? So you develop a knowledge. So if you're going to go into an area, don't listen. Ignorance should not be an excuse. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, someone wants to hear from Pastor Tafara. And so the question they specifically have for Pastor Tafara is this. They say, in a business environment with profits, do we have to tithe? And if we have to tithe, do we tithe on a monthly basis or as a once-off? Can I repeat that while you think, think about your I think, yeah, it's a good question. I okay. think the, the bottom line is, you know, tithing must be understood from a principle first at a heart level. You know, when we tithe, it's because we're honoring God. You know, someone quoted Proverbs eleven twenty four. It says, honor the Lord with the first fruits of your increase and your bands shall be filled with plenty. So we do that because it's a principle, uh, to honor God. And basically what we're saying, if you, you know, check it out from Genesis chapter number 14, when Abraham first tithed, the priest came and pronounced three things. He said, uh, Abraham of the most high God. So the first reason is we tithe is we acknowledging God as the highest authority in our lives. Amen. And we are saying he's even higher than our finances and, and everything else. And the second thing he said is Abraham the, uh, of God, the possessor in the heavens and the earth. And the second thing we're acknowledging is God owns everything, and we are just stewards. Amen? And the third thing he said is, you know, God who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And what he's saying is the reason you did well or the reason you won the battle specifically for Abraham is because God gave the enemies. He delivered the enemies into your hands. It's not because of your own ingenuity and your own abilities, because God did it for you. So those are the three basic reasons why we tithe. Now, the technical aspect of it depends on the business. You know, if you are uh, working for a business, and you are an executive on the business, and you get paid monthly, then I'd say from your monthly income, if you have to wait until they pay out dividends, then I'd say from your dividends. So, I mean, that, that, that the technical aspect of it is completely up to you. Uh, but obviously you need to do your due diligence and make sure that you're not tithing from money that you should be reinvesting in the business as working capital. Amen? 
you need to make sure that you understand all the other technical aspects of the particular business that you're in so that you can keep the business going and not just try to be spiritual while you're doing the wrong thing. Amen. That's what I would say, you know. Amen. That's good. I want to ask a question on top of that, right? So we've actually had three tithing questions. So um, and, uh, feel free um, to answer any one, of, any one of you up here. We have three tithing questions. I've kind of combined them to one, but this is more a spin-off on that one. So someone says, is it considered tithing when you give time? So when you offer value, your knowledge to a person, a client, a business, without expecting or a return on your investment, i.e. giving time without charging for the value you offered. Ashley under the bus. <laughs> I'm getting on the plane very soon. <laughs> in the plane. So I can say what I want to say. Here's what I believe. You can give in other ways, but I believe if you want to, you, you reap what you sow, and I believe if you want to increase financially, if you want to trust God in your finances, then you need to give financially. And, and the neat thing about tithing is, is that tithing is exactly the same amount for anyone. If you make $100 million a year, or if you make $1 a year, 10% is 10%. So God set it up so neat. And here's the thing. People always get hung up. Well, you're cursed if you don't tithe. Here's the thing. Even Malachi 3, when it talks about the curse if you don't tithe, okay, even in that context, that was when tithing was under the law. Genesis 14, Abraham tithed before the law. Genesis 28, Jacob tithed before the law. Okay? The, twice, principle. Hebrews, tithing. It's, it was before the law, it's a principle. It was part of the law, and now we're not under the law, and it's still a good principle. Murder was wrong before the law. Murder was wrong during the law. Murder is still wrong after the law. I don't care if you're grace, faith, both, whatever you are. Okay? Here's the thing about tithing. I have not met a prosperous, truly prosperous person who doesn't trust God of at least 10% of his income. Okay? And even when tithing was under the law, you're cursed, you're robbing God, you're cursed and all this. Even when that was the deal, look at the verse. He says, God is trying to give to you. He's saying, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. I'm going to pour out a blessing. So God's the biggest giver. He is good, he is love, and he is generosity. Everything God does is good, loving, and generous. And he is not trying to take from you. He can't take from you. He's trying to give to you. And the reason why he wants you to tithe is because he wants you to trust him with his finances. And here's what the Lord spoke to me very recently. He said, won't you let me be generous in your life? My nature is generosity. I want to be generous in your life. But until you give you permission, you have to give God permission to save you. You have to give God permission to heal you. You have to give God permission to prosper you. And don't be deceived. You are deceived if you do not trust God with your finances. Well, I'm going to trust God with my time and give him my time. I understand all that. Trust God. I'm on welfare. I get 10 rand a week. Give a, dollar, give a, a rand a week. I'm, I, I don't, I'm on pension. I only get this. Give that. Give 10% of what you have. Trust God with it. Don't do it under the law. Don't do it as a debt. Do it because you trust God with your finances. And the last thing I say is when you do that, that's the bottom rung, um, Luke 16. Jesus says that's the least thing. When you trust God with the least thing, you watch how you, the, your faith grows in other areas. I don't fully understand it. We don't have to understand it to get benefit of it. I'm going to fly on a plane in a few hours. I don't understand how it works, but I get the benefit of it. You don't have to understand it. Just do it. It works by faith, praise God. You will increase when you trust God with your, with your, with your money, praise God. And God says, you can try me on this. And the tithe belongs in the local church where you're fed, by the way. I believe the tithe belongs to the local church where you're fed. I believe offerings can go to visiting speakers, guest speakers, ministries, missionaries, all that. There's different types of giving. I personally give my tithe to my local church where I am fed. Praise God. Good, quest, good answer. Yeah, that's and, a great uh, answer. 
just to add as well, both these gentlemen, you know, I've gotten to know, and both of them are just extravagantly generous. I had to actually tell Ashley when we took him out, took both of them out to eat in Santon that, you know, in Africa, you don't take the bill because yeah. it offends the host. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. I think he's bearing false witness. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we have time for about two more questions, so we'll be really quick. Okay, <laughs> so it says, how do you manage to grow your business in an economy that is stagnant? Blessings are gone. First of all, I'm not going to get into the technicality real quickly, but really the most money is made when the economy is stagnant or going down. Actually, that's when the most millionaire billionaires are made is when the economy is going down. It's the best opportunities. When everyone, what does Warren Buffett say? When everyone's running scared, I run in brave. And when everyone's running in brave, I, I run away scared. So, when the, so, yeah, you can. And it's the blessings of God. We don't live on this economy. We live on God's economy. Yeah. So, yeah. Philippians 4.19, it's by his riches. That's awesome. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let, let me say, so learn to, learn to see value. So, when the economy's down, that's where the best deals are made. When your economy is slow and stagnant, and actually you can make money as much or more money in a slow economy as you can in a fast economy. It's just how you position your investment or how you position yourself in that economy. And then when it takes off, that's where what we call really that supernatural wealth is created. All of a sudden, you know, you maybe you make 10,000, uh, what do you call it, rand here on a deal. And, and when the economy's taken off, now you're making 100,000 for the same effort, same kind of investment. And so God will bless you. But that's where your greatest opportunity is, 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 uh, is in that. Let me say this about tithing real quick. On tithing, on tithing, where God brings blessing to you, the reason that I tithe in, in the sense, because, I mean, this, this is going to sound whatever, but it's not to get more money, right? I don't, watch this now, I don't, I don't tithe to get I tithe, I tithe to connect. In other words, I know those divine connections and Kairos moments are out there. And so the blessing of God, even in a slow economy, is on my life. And as I'm bringing my tithe, the 10%, and I'm sowing my seed, my offerings, over and above the tithe, what I believe that happens if I'm walking in with my faith released, then God brings uh, supernaturally the favor of God on my life where those divine connections and those Kairos moments are attracted and released over me. Pastor Tafar called it opportunity, right? If you're faithful, then God brings opportunity. When you're not faithful, then the opportunity is not there necessarily. Same thing with tithing. You're faithful with your money. Those divine connections and Kairos moments get released over your life, and supernaturally then you see yourself moving. Yeah, and I also think on that economy question... uh, the internet has almost opened up the world economy. So I don't think we should limit ourselves. I think Ashley talked about it yesterday. Now you can list your products on eBay. You can put them on the internet. You can literally put, uh, uh, you can offer the world the gifts and the callings that God has, you know, blessed you with. Yeah. Just two months ago, I got to do a Grace in the Marketplace conference in Atlanta while sitting at my office in Johannesburg. Yeah. Through the camera of the computer and, you know, fast internet. And, uh, 
they gave me a little something for it for a new pair of sneakers. Amen. Oh, yeah. oh, oh is that where you got your new sneakers from? Hmm. <laughs> okay, I think this is really going to be the... I think we, we might have two more questions. Okay, so we have one. Quick. We'll be real quick. This one anyone can answer, but I think they specifically said Billy, but it's talking about the process of faith, they say. So they said, Billy mentioned in his book about believing in the process of faith. I would like you to break down what that means. Explain a personal example of a process of faith you walked through. Are you looking confused? I don't know. If, uh, did I talk about I it in the book? I don't, I don't recall. Which book was it? Change Master? Does anyone? Money if, well, if, whoever asked the question, are you brave enough to um, help us with this? Thank you, Karen. Are you reading out of the book? Oh, well. So I got it out of Money Mastery. Let me just find where I made the notes. Who wrote that book? Does anyone? So the exact statement was, if you will operate in the process of faith, it will work every time, but you must find that process. So it was in Money Mastery that I picked that statement. You must find the process. Uh-huh. Right, so the process comes where, in some of the things I just talked about, in knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, and then you start stepping out. What most people do in the, in the faith process is they do what they do totally blindly. So what I have learned in this process is that it is God. So if we take Abraham going to Sodom, right, and, and uh, excuse me, going to uh, King of Salem, right, that, that came, if you take that, they still, watch this now, they still knew how to fight. But just because you know how to fight doesn't mean God's going to deliver, for example, if you don't honor God or walk with God where you should be. So there, the point is, in this process of faith, there is a part you play, and there's a part that God plays. And for those of you, some of you already have businesses, you're active, owning a business now, you'll understand this, what I'm about to say. What I have learned in walking that out is this. You can lose money a million different ways. Let me just say it one more time. You can lose money a million different ways. And what I have learned in the process of faith, I believe God for, so I'm expecting, but I also believe God from. And what I believe for is the favor of God surrounds my life. Psalms chapter 5 and verse 12 says that the favor of God will surround you like a shield. So when it comes to protection in business, you need the hand of God and the blessing of God because there are many ways and opportunities where you can lose money, both in investments, investing, and in entrepreneurship. There are many ways. So on the, on the far side where I'm believing far, I believe God gives you the picture on the inside of what you see, the power of your imagination, what you can believe far. And, and faith is the substance of things hoped for. So you get a vision on the inside of where you want to go or what you're believing, not just the amount of money, but also the thing that God's doing. And then you begin to build your faith. Your faith will then give substance to that hope. And here's something that I, I'm, I'm going to pray for you to understand is that what I have learned then is when, is when that begins to manifest and it begins to really happen in your life, in, in other words, it, it, it begins to come what you were seeing. What I have learned is that at the point it actually happens, it's not that big of a deal. It's all of a sudden, 
you it goes. Now, when the guy called and offered the million dollars, and I sold it for a million fifty-three, that was totally unexpected. I, it wasn't something I was actually believing for that particular business. Watch this. I was believing for something else. And in those days, at the time that happened, my first goal, my first goal for faith, the process of faith, I was believing for 30 single-family properties that paid me $300 a month, which I reached, which I did at that time in that season. I reached it, which paid me $100,000 a year tax-free. Now, I don't know how much $100,000 is here in South Africa, but $100,000 in America... 30 years ago, tax-free. Legally tax-free. Yeah, legally tax-free. <laughs> and all of a sudden, though, all of a sudden then, in the middle of that, having reached that, this guy calls me and God puts that on top of what I was actually believing for. So God, so the process of faith is you see it, you speak it, you declare it, you walk it out, and then God supernaturally with favor adds His super on top of your natural, and you get that kind of stuff happening. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Last question. As believers, do we have to work, work sorry, on one of the seven mountains at a time, or can we work on two or more to be successful? Okay, don't quickly... Well, you know, I, yeah, I mean, you can... The seven mountains, I think Billy will agree with me, they're not so rigid as in you've got to climb down one, walk across, climb up the other again. You know, there's actually, there's quite a lot of uh, overlap and things happening in their mountains. So, um, but the basic concept is, is you're not camping out in, in church, hear me now, and, and, just, and just praying for things to happen. You're actually going out in the workplace and actually be, becoming experts through this teaching, like Billy's been teaching us, become experts in our field. Because, you know, you can go out, but I've got friends who go into business arenas and they don't, you know, they don't go in there and say, I'm going to pray. They go in there and do things and then people listen to them and they get, you know, and they, they, they're, they're giving kingdom influence because they're experts in their field. What's damaged the body of Christ is people going into these fields and just praying and just because they're a Christian believe they have the right to be there. And, they're, and they're, you know, and they don't because they haven't took the time to let God give them the wisdom, knowledge and understanding. So, but no, you can do several mountains at once. Of course you can. Yeah, you could be in different things at once. Okay. I think we're going to wrap it up. Pastor Farr, I'm going to give you the mic. If you, do you want to add to it or sh- do you want to close? Uh, we just want to take this opportunity to thank uh, Billy, uh, Epa Hart, and Ashley Teradez for making time out to, you know, come to Johannesburg, South Africa. Thanks for coming out, man. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.